My name is Sean Thomas. I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. why why do you want to be more today than you were yesterday you already know that you have to trust the process and just be persistent you already know that next level results require next level effort period but why is today different than any other day what's your why how are you gonna get to the next level see most of you want to make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices let me be clear. Nobody said it was gonna be easy. No handouts, no excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm up for this moment right here, today. Are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action. Just be better. Just be more. Be more today. What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. John Thomas, back in the building with the Be More Today show. We are back. We are back. We are back in the building. And folks, the Be More Today show continues to grow in the month of April, celebrating Occupational Therapy Month. Last week, we had a great show featuring the Marine Park office and uh, their dedication to making sure that we get back to our functional capacity was great. And we continue the OT shows for this month with a special guest. Before I talk about that, I got to talk about Be More today. It's a movement, as you already know. We continue to grow. And I thank you so much for your love and your support. You've been subscribing to our shows for the last couple of years, four years in total. And the show has grown, again, 78 countries for 44,000 downloads. Again, thanks to your love and support. This show continues to move. So if you want to keep following us, 
emortoday.com for my book on Amazon. Our more merch store continues to be out there. If you're looking for a running coach or a running club, our Spartan Sunday Running Club is here. I'm the coach for that team. So join us as we continue our runs outdoors and getting ready for the marathon seasons. Any questions you have about that, email me at info at bemortoday.com. For any of those things related, you will not be disappointed. And my love for you continues. I thank you so much. It does not go unnoticed. Our quote for today is simple as always. Man and woman, through the use of his and her hands, as they are energized by mind and will, can influence the state of his or her own health by Mary Riley. One of the things that I've noticed about being a PT myself is that uh, my hands are very important. And a number of patients continue to talk to me and say, you should get your hands insured. You should get your hands insured. Why haven't you got your hands insured yet? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And, you know, at first I played it off. But in looking at all that I do with my hands, it is a tool that we use. As PTs, as OTs, as clinicians, our hands are very, very important to make sure we can help people get back to their functional status and back to the life that they love. And I have on a show a guest that continues to use her hands in many ways and helps those who also have hand issues to get back to the functional capacity so they too can get back to the life that they love. And her name is Sherry Bensadoon. Now, Sherry is a licensed occupational therapist and a certified hand therapist. She's a graduate of Toro College School of Health and Sciences with a master's degree in occupational therapy in 2008 where she earned a place in the Phi Theta Epsilon Honor Society. After working as an occupational therapist and dedicating her time to continue learning, she decided to further her career within the field of hand therapy and became a certified hand therapist in 2014. She specializes in post-operative rehabilitation and custom splinting and is a certified in the Graston technique, as am I. Well done. She also dedicates her time as a field work supervisor for OT students and her certification then again. Graston, uh, and so many other things. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage our second guest, or our second show for Occupational Therapy Month, Sherry Bensadoon. Sherry, what is going on? Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Listen, thanks for being here. We can just be completely honest. You and I are busy. And, <laughs> you know, being being a clinician is, is busy, but doing these shows outside of that is busy as well. So I thank you for making the time today to make uh, OT month special. And, you know, I, I hadn't had any interaction with you until our stint with Marathon. We had a Marathon uh, cheer section in front of your office downtown. Yep. <laughs> um, and it was great. You were very, very vital and helpful for us to share um, our love for the runners and our love for New York City in front of your area. And we had a whole share station with Jaguar Physical Therapy, our Spartan Sunday Running Club, and a number of runners, including Tiki Barber, who came by, and so many other people who had a chance to uh, be inspired and be cheered on by us. So I thank you for that, opening your doors to us, allowing us to use your uh, site as a host site for that day. It was pivotal. Yeah. Us to do. We couldn't do it without you. So I thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for organizing it. It was, it was really great. I've never... I've never actually gone and cheered on in the marathon before. And it was, re it was really cool. And it was like really nice to see and like support all of those people that were doing that. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's always great. I think it's the best time of the year when NYC comes alive and just seeing so many people with their stories, um, yeah. overcoming and trials and whatever else. And of course, seeing people who have the injuries, right? The Achilles runners or those who are blind and running with somebody else. It's just yeah. amazing. Wheelchair runners, et cetera. It's, it's insane. Um, yeah. But as we're in occupational therapy month, this is your month. And, you know, <laughs> my, my main job as a director of community engagement and inclusion is to make sure that we highlight all the great things that JAG 1 PT is doing. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. We had the Marine Park office on the show last week and talked about a number of things that they're doing in the South Brooklyn area. Now you're downtown Brooklyn. I just want you to talk a little bit about um, your office and what it really feels like being an OT for Jaguar Physical Therapy in the downtown area. Because again, every area is a little different. And in your particular specialty, you specialize, as you said, in post-operative hand splinting patients. So what's that like being an OT? And what are some of the things that you see on a regular basis? I mean, I love it. it we're, you know, the area that I'm in is, it's actually a really great area. You get a lot of different types of people that live there. Um, I, one of the things I love is just meeting lots of different, lots of different people, hearing their stories, hearing where they come from. Um, and, you know, being like, being therapists and working with patients, you develop relationships with them a lot of times because you're seeing them two to three times a week for over an hour at a time. Um, so it's it's nice. And I happen to just really love the area that I'm in. It's actually grown a ton, the downtown Brooklyn area from when I first started there um, almost eight years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like really just, it's booming now. Um, you've got a lot of people that are within that area. The community is growing, which is really nice. Um, in terms of what I see, we see a lot of different injuries. Um, we see a lot of fractures. We see a lot of um, nerve injuries. We do get a lot of post-op, but we also get a lot of people coming in um, who are trying to avoid surgery. So they're coming to therapy, hoping that they won't have to <laughs> get any procedures done. Um, we get a lot of sports injuries, um, a lot of arthritis from older patients um work injuries sports injuries so we see kind of a gamut of you know of different diagnoses um and then in terms of splinting it's that's one of the things that I love about my job it's Mm. um that's where like the creative juices kind of flow where you I don't know if you've ever seen splints being like fabricated it's just you start with this like like flat piece of essentially like a plastic type of material and form it into so many different types of shapes. And it's, it's cool. It's also fun when like patients come in and they're not expecting that and where they come in with this huge bulky splint that they like bought from the store. And then they come to to me and they're like, this is horrible. And then I make them something custom and it like their world just like shifts because they have like so much more use of their hand. It's much more comfortable. They're, they're more comfortable with their injuries. So mm-hmm. It's great. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate arts and crafts. <laughs> I hated it as a kid. My wife is all into it. She's like, oh, let's make this. I'm like, I don't make anything. I want to just buy something already put together. So when it comes to splinting, I'm like, what is happening? But I truly appreciate the artistry and the craftsmanship and the creativity that comes with that. Uh, my first job was not with Jaguar. It was with a different company in the city. And it was just me, another therapist, and a hand therapist. She had her own area and literally she had four tables and people would come in and she would go from table to table doing her thing. And her name was Carrie Bate. I remember her to this day because that was 2009, 2010. And she was amazing. 
I mean, I just saw her literally make these things and craft these things yeah. uh, different for everyone else. And she did it yeah. so quickly and they were different yeah. for every single person. And I was like, that is amazing. So that was my first experience looking at splinting and, and um, uh, just r- really appreciating the OT perspective and the trade of a hand therapist or hand specialist. And um, it's just amazing when, when I can really see those things and see people get better with those things. And I'm sure you see it every single day, clearly. Yeah. I've actually watched you when I came yeah. to your office. I saw you in, in motion. Oh yeah, and that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's art. It's art. I, I don't know, you know, you know, we as PTs, we do our thing with our hand as well, but the creative, the creative piece, I think, is something that we don't really, for the most part, we don't really get a chance to experience like that, to actually make something like that. Sometimes you make things for people for the workstations or whatever else, but to make something like that, that that's that's pretty cool. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um so I'm curious, Sherry, I, I know that, you know, we talked a little bit about post-ops and hand splinting, but mm-hmm. I'm curious what the top two or three hand injuries that you see on a regular basis, because there are a number of people who have issues with their hands. I yeah. mean, you don't really know what's going on with your hand until you have an issue and you realize yes. how important your hands really are. So right. what are some of the top two or three hand injuries that you see on a regular basis? So I will say carpal tunnel is definitely up there. Um, and I, and arthritis is also pretty common, especially in the older population. Um, and fractures, those are the three that I would say, and like, I mean, it's a variety of fractures, wrist fractures, finger fractures. Um, but those are the three top injuries that we see. Okay. So with those top injuries, and I'm kind of in there, if you can see my pinky, I, I had a mallet uh, oh, yeah. fracture this years ago <laughs> playing basketball, but these things happen, right? Yep. Um, so oh, basketball, is... that's super common with yeah. finger injuries. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Dislocations and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of your tips on how people can avoid these injuries, if, if any? Yeah. So, you know, with fractures, there's not too much to do to avoid, except there are certain things that you can do, especially sports that people tend to fall a lot. So snowboarding, let's say, or skiing, um, wearing wrist guards. There's actually hmm. a lot of people don't do it. And um, it, you fall and you tend to, that's you brace yourself with your hand. It's one of our natural instincts. And that's why a lot of wrist fractures happen. But if you're if you're doing a sport where you can put a wrist brace on where it won't, you know, impede your function in the sport, I definitely recommend that. Um, also learning sounds weird, but learning how to fall properly. Mm. Um, you know, I, I do some rock climbing and one of the first things that they teach you, they don't even let you start until you fall properly off the wall. So things where you're going to be falling backwards or even in any sport, like, I mean, in basketball, football, if you get knocked down and you're falling backwards, one of the main things to always remember, like tuck your arms in, don't put your arms out. Our natural instinct is to put it out, try to try to train yourself to, to bring it in. Right. Um, so that's what I would say in terms of fractures. You can't always prevent a fracture, unfortunately. You know, I fractured my ankle and tried to fall as best I could when I was rock climbing, didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So not everything's preventable, but there are certain things you could do for that. Right. Um, right. In terms of arthritis. So there are different types of arthritis. The most common one is osteoarthritis, which happens with, you know, it's just a lot of times with age, but it also can happen from um, like improper use of joints. So um, when you're putting a lot of pressure on a joint repetitively, you're going to wear down that cartilage a lot faster. And that's, you know, that's essentially what arthritis is. It's the bone rubbing on bone. That's what's causing the pain. 
So doing different activities, I would recommend using bigger muscles, using bigger um, joints to help help pick things up, help lift things, help move things. If, number one, you'll save your back also, but mm -hmm. um, just trying to not protect your hands. You know, don't put as much pressure on your hands if you don't have to. Um, so, you know, if you're carrying a really heavy bag, don't carry it in your hand, stick it on your shoulder. That's going to be a lot easier. And obviously, you know, again, you can't always prevent these things, but trying to, trying to minimize a lot of pressure that's, that's on, that's on those smaller joints. Um, also, if you do have an injury, go get it checked out. Um, a lot of people think that, oh, I just sprained it and it's fine. And they let it go for months. And if you did end up fracturing something and you didn't know, the bone's not put back in place properly, then you're going to put yourself at risk for early arthritis. So don't be scared of going to doctors, even going to, even going to therapists. You know, if you don't want to go to a doctor, go get seen by a therapist and try to get injuries checked out to prevent further injuries down the road. Um, in regards to carpal tunnel, um, everyone always thinks they have carpal tunnel whenever their hand hurts. Right. <laughs> um, but typically, if you're getting like numbness, tingling, that's usually what it is. Um, and especially now with people working at home or, you know, office jobs where you're sitting at a desk all the time, you really want to make sure you have a good setup. So making sure your feet are planted on the floor, your knees are at 90 degrees, hips 90 degrees, elbows at 90 degrees, and you want to keep those wrists straight. So a lot of people don't realize when they're at a computer, their wrists are, you know, can't really see me well, but they're kind of bent back like this and they don't, they don't realize that they're in that position for hours at a time. When you do that, you're just stretching the nerve. Um, so you want to, I recommend to a lot of people getting um, those like keyboard pads mm -hmm. and using that to rest their hands on because that's essentially keeping your wrist straight, um, taking breaks, you know, not a long break, but if you're sitting at a computer for hours, and some people always tell me like, oh, I forget to take a break. I don't know how to remind myself because I just keep working. Tell people set a timer every hour or two. Just have a timer go off and doesn't have to be a long break. Take a minute, shake mm -hmm. out those hands, do some stretches and then continue. So you're not keeping those. So you're not keeping those wrists in one position all the time and compressing that nerve. Right. Right. Yeah. I just had a conversation with somebody literally yesterday because um, she was like, oh, why does my hand hurt so much? I said, what do you do? She said the same exact thing. I'm typing at my desk all the time. Yeah. I said, oh, well, that makes sense. That makes yep. sense. And the first thing you said was, oh, is it carpal tunnel? And I said, no, no, probably not. And for her, it was more like um, an epicondylitis issue. Yeah. And she wasn't really working on the proper work setup for her. But same thing, you know, those over those overuse injuries, right? The wrist yep. flexors, extensors, all those things, when they don't get a chance to rest, then they're on, like you're saying. And yep. yeah. I think a lot of us, like you said, coming out of COVID, not us per se, we were working, but others who were home on Zoom definitely were experiencing a lot of those things. And the internet does yeah. not help, right? People just go on automatically and look whatever they see and carpal tunnel, the first night usually pops up. They think yep. they have that and they look for things to do for that, which is not going to help if you don't change right. your workstation. So exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that's, that's that's challenging for you to continue to explain it to every single person you see. But that's yeah, kind of part but of the job. You know what? It's, it's honestly, it's part of the course. And I'm. it's also like, I'd rather people come and ask rather than just assume. Mm. And then like a lot of times I will get people coming in asking like, Hey, I think I have carpal tunnel. And then once we assess them, we're like, actually, no, you have a certain type of tendonitis. And then right. we're able to like steer them in the right direction, but still with 
proper ergonomics is always key. You know, especially like we said, working from home, sometimes a home setup is not even as great as what you were used to in your office. So just trying to make sure you have a comfortable setup for yourself um, and you're just in a good position and taking breaks. (laughs) That's key. So so I want you to speak. I know there are a number of um, uh, students who were in in Zoom classes um, during this pandemic. A number of them I know, a number of them I know. We're home doing classes in their beds, right? Computer on their oh, lap yeah. in their beds or lame. Can you talk about like how detrimental that setup can be for like neck, shoulder, and it wrist? It is issues? terrible. I mean, you're just you're in that hunched over position for so long. Um, and that's typically I have so many friends that were doing that. So a lot of my friends I even went like back to school and um were taking classes and they were taking classes from home and it was the exact same thing or sitting on the couch, like lying down, looking up at the computer. (laughs) Um, It puts so much strain on your neck and on your shoulders. I even experience it, you know, working on patients. You're, you're a lot of times you're hunched over them. You're, you're going to just, you're going to end up with so many other, other issues. I mean, I have people who ended up with like chronic headaches just because Mm. their, their muscles were so tight in their neck. Um, and then once they started doing proper stretches and they started being in better positions, the headaches went away. So, um, yeah, it's, even though you feel comfortable at the time and you want to be lazy, but you'll, you'll put yourself in a much better position if you put yourself in a much better position. (laughs) (laughs) That makes complete sense though. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just get, you know, we get lazy, we get tired. You know, you and I, not for nothing, we just came home from work. You know, we're tired, but yeah. making sure that your workstation is just ideal for whatever you're doing can help alleviate so many other issues, including problems you may have the next day. Might not feel yeah. bad in the interim, but at the next day, you can feel a little something. So, exactly. Yeah, that's great, great advice. And, you know, my next question for you is looking at, you talk about arthritis. And I know a number of people, culturally and otherwise, have mentioned to me this same question about cracking knuckles, right? Yes. I'm sure you hear this all the time. If I crack my knuckles, will that lead to arthritis? And even when I was growing up, people were telling me, don't crack your knuckles, you're going to get arthritis. And I, I I, didn't do it because they told me it was a bad thing. But I wanted you, if you don't mind, just to set the record straight for all the listeners who are listening from various places, yep. no matter where they came from, can you please talk to us about this myth slash truth? Just yes, it is that. a myth. Crack your knuckles all you want. It will not lead to arthritis. I crack my knuckles all the time. <laughs> um, to try to give you like an idea of it, all you're doing is you're releasing an air pocket that forms within the joint. Um, so a, a lot of times people are like, no, but I've heard that it still does. So I'll, I'll, I'll have them crack their knuckle and then ask them to crack it again right away. And they can't. Right. So the reason is because that air pocket has to reform. All you're doing is you're just releasing the air. So it's, that's why you can't crack the same knuckle right away. You got to give it, I actually don't even know how much time it takes, but it's a bit of time um, in order to be able to crack it again. You will not do any damage, I promise. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> cracking. <laughs> I just think it's funny because people ask the same questions to me. I mean, yeah. we don't have a number of hand injuries that we see, but the ones that we do get are usually conversational. Like, hey, what do you think about... You know, and I'm like, yeah. what are we talking about? But it always comes <laughs> up in conversation. I'm like, who started this? Where did this come from? But, I also wonder where it came from. <laughs> yeah. But it is a funny thing because I, I do see that 
There are things like that, even like the carpal tunnel thing, you know, sciatica is another thing when people get it. Oh, I have sciatica. Mm, it could right. be a number of things besides sciatica, <laughs> but okay, that's the one we were talking about. No problem. But those things happen in our profession where yet people get, get locked in on a diagnosis or that they think they have a certain thing and they just want to do everything for it. And that's why it's so important, I think, for people to see OTs and PTs, because then you get a chance to really see, is it really what you think it is? Because yeah. usually it's not. Right. And, you know, WebMDs and those kind of things, Google, Siri, whatever else can lead you down a rabbit hole of madness. So when they come to see you or me in the clinic, they already have anxiety because they've been online already. I've had people come in with, to me for an eval with Google printouts. Yep. <laughs> Being like, I think I have this. And I'm like, mm, hold on a second. Let's just see what's going on. I'm sure you had the same thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's always good to see the specialist and see what's going on and ask the right questions. Exactly. Make sure you get the right answers. Um, Sherry, I'm curious. So, you know, occupational therapy, um, like 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 PT, we, I don't know about um, Toro, but, you know, at Downstate where we went, we had a number of classes together. And I talked about this a little bit on the last show last week with um, the Marine Park office. Um, but even looking at the, the classes between PTs and OTs, I always noticed, at least at Downstate, that there were so many more female students than male students. And even looking at, our Jag One company. I'm looking at around, you know, all all the OTs. There are much more, predominantly more female occupational therapists than than males. And yeah. I'm just curious if if you had any insight on on why that may be. So I I did also have that in my school as well. The I would say, like at least seventy five percent of my class was female. Um, I've thought about it. I think I don't really know the answer for why, but I have things that I've thought about is um, maybe where the profession started. Um, Cause the profession started, I mean, we're talking decades ago. Um, it started after, I forget which war it was, but it started in the mental health profession. Um, and they use a lot of, so it was, it was mainly focused on mental health for people coming back from war. Um, and they were using a lot of art therapy um, and, it wasn't as physically based. Um, so I think that at that time when it first started, that could be why you were getting a lot more females in the profession. Mm. Um, and it's definitely obviously over the years now shifted and it's a completely different profession from how it first started. There's still the mental health aspect. There is still mental health OT that exists. Um, and when I was in school, we did field works in it. I'm not sure if they still do it. Um, it might be like an elective field work. Um, but that would be my guess of more just how the profession started. And you are seeing a lot more, um, male therapists, like as the years go, a lot of my students, it used to be that, um, six years, like six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, I mean, even when I first like started taking students, like 15 years ago, we, it was all female students. I had one male in like seven years of treat like of treating I had one male student and everyone else was was female and I see multiple students a year um over the past I want to say four years I've been getting a lot of male students um so I think it is definitely starting to pick up more um I'm not exactly sure what the shift is it could be that um you know they're they're seeing the more medical aspect of the profession and the profession is not solely focusing on the arts and crafts aspects of the mental health. 
So you're getting a variety of different people who want to join the profession. Mm. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious that, you know, I just saw different things and different trends. And, you know, at least for us, um, I was surrounded by a number of female um, students when I was in the PT program at Downstate. Mm. And even working in the hospital, there were just... It was more of a balance between men and women. And even, you know, at, at JAG1, we have a number of clinicians who are pretty much even on both sides, but for the most right. part, probably a little more men and females across the board. But that also varies in terms of states. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was just curious if, if you saw the same trends that you did. And yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why there may be uh, a weird shift. Um, right. But, you know, I do think the one thing that I, I agree with you on is the mental health component being so integral. And, you know, I'm reminded every time I look at, um, even t- and looking at last week's show, talking about the mental health component and how important it is and integral yeah. it is to the OT experience. We as PT, we deal with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think depending on the therapist, you may deal with it a little more or less depending on your style of treatment. But I do know for occupational therapy, it's such an integral part of the yeah. healing process. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the quote, you know, we talked about, using hands um, and they're energized by mind and will to influence the state of one's health. Um, how did you infuse, I guess, in your mm-hmm. expertise and your experience and you know your vast knowledge, how do you infuse your clinical manual skills along with the mental process of healing for your patients? Because I know, you know, just anything hand related can be very, very intimate. Yeah. And, you know, us as therapists do a, do a number of things that are intimate as well, but there's something very intimate about hand. Yeah. Um, you know, just like that, that intimacy that, that comes with someone who is treating you and, and healing you in a certain way. So I know that a lot of mental health or, or psychosocial things can come in conversation when that, that intimacy is, is yeah. exposed. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, I guess, some of the ways that you've seen, um, the, the benefits of looking at the mental health aspect of it and the physical health aspect of getting people back to the life that yeah. they love. So I find that it's twofold. Um, there's the aspect of the relationship with the therapist and with the clinician. Mm. Um, in order for a person to heal, they need to feel comfortable and they need to feel safe in the hands that are treating them. Um, so I find building, making sure that first, when they first come in, that people are comfortable. Um, I also find answering their questions. A lot of times they come in from seeing a doctor who didn't really explain what it is that they have and really like kind of laying it out for them and giving them like in layman's terms. Cause a lot of times medical professionals don't use layman terms. So they like, you know, you can use all these big words of muscles and different names for different things and how they're going to treat. But like, if the patient doesn't understand what's going on, Mm -hmm. if they don't know what their injury is, they're not going to really understand how we're going to treat it. So I, I'll even sometimes like draw, like people will come in with trigger finger and, oh, that's another common injury that I see. (laughs) Um, But I'll, I will a lot of times draw a picture for them of their hand and their finger and like the tendon and what's, actually going on in their hand and then then they have an understanding they're like oh that makes a lot of sense now I know why I'm having this pain and then you know explaining to them the whole process of what we're going to be doing and how it's a team approach you know it's important that you're comfortable with me it's important that you do what you need to do at home and it's important that you also come to therapy and I always tell them like you can come to me twice a week but if you do nothing on your own you're not going to get there so it's a matter of them seeing like 
the whole process of, of, like I said, teamwork. Like I never want them to think that I'm doing it and they have no say or that they're just going to pick everything and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to help them along in their journey. Yeah. It's unfortunate. A lot of times I have patients that will come to me that say like, I was going to, and not to badmouth any other place. I don't even know the names of some of these places, but they'll come to me and they'll say, Oh, I'm surprised at how much I'm doing here. Like uh, I'll go to, I've been to other places where they just put heat on me and I do a few exercises and I'm out in 20 minutes and I'm just like, that's so upsetting, <laughs> you know, and they're, and to hear that, like, they don't even get any manual therapy or they don't even do any exercises, like getting them to see the whole approach of how each aspect is important. Um, and also, you know, I work with my patients. There are a lot of times that they'll say that they're not comfortable with one exercise. So, you know what? great. You know, we tried it. It didn't work. Let's try something else that works for you that might not work for somebody else. So I think having, getting patients to just be comfortable and feel like they have a say in their treatment and that they feel comfortable with the person treating them is really important. Um, and then I also think the other aspect is them believing that they can get better. Mm. I just had a conversation tonight with a patient where I was telling him to, we were working on bending his thumb and, you know, I was giving him a target to hit and he just kept saying, no, 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 I can't. So I said, I was like, I don't want to hear I can't anymore. I'm like, I want to hear I can. And even if you don't make it, you're trying and that's all that matters. And so I would ask him, are you ready? And like all the time he kept saying, no, I can't. And he was also saying, no, I'm not ready. I'm like, okay, you let me know when you're going to be ready. He's like, no, I'm never going to be ready. I'm like, yes, you will. I'm like, we're going to change. We're going to change that mindset. All I want to hear now is I'm ready and I can. And you know what? He hit the target with bending his thumb. And I really, I really believe it might sound like very cliche, but honestly, changing your mindset a lot of the time really can help you achieve so many more goals than you thought were possible. Um, so I always, I never, I tell my patients, I can't is not allowed in my clinic. <laughs> you want to say it's really hard. This sucks. I'm in pain. Go for it. Right. I, also, I also tell my patients like, curse me out. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you cannot tell me you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it You're really, right. it makes a really big difference. You're so right. I think, you know, getting them to believe that they can achieve things and also building that trust with them. I, that really helps with their with their healing process. You're right. I agree with you 100. And you know, I I think one of the things that I took from that just now is they have to believe. Mm -hmm. You gotta believe it. I think us as clinicians, we believe that we can get anyone back to whatever because we we've seen it. We've seen a number yeah. of people go through the journey, right, yeah. from start to finish. Like you said, from post op, even from pre op, right, to post op to being back to doing whatever they want to do. So we've seen it. We know it. We believe in the human spirit. We believe in science, all those things. So we can see those, those things happening. But I think it is hard for people when, like you said, they are depressed, they're anxious, they don't trust. Yeah. Um, they're going through something else that that is is also just kind of in the back of their minds. And then the pain levels that, you know, yeah. we don't experience all the time. But we've been through things in our own lives, but in the moment, you know, pain is, that's the, that's the present. So all those things make it very hard for someone to say, I can't. Yeah. And I'm the same way. And I think as clinicians, it's our duty. And this is my issue with some new clinicians that I've seen, not at JAG per se, but just in life, just in general. I think there's a perception that this is just a job. Right. And it is a job. 
but at the same time, it's definitely a mindset. It's definitely like you have to be a clinician who has a positive nature to help yes. other people get through their issues. Yes. Because no matter what you're going through in your regular day, whatever else, the people that we're seeing, they have real problems. They're going through pain. They're going through surgeries. Yes. They're going through problems. And for us not to have faith that they can get through this or not to be able to push them through that thing doesn't help. The mental capacity that you're talking about is a real thing. And I, I think that the good clinicians, the great clinicians, as I mentioned last week, are the ones who put those two things together. They say, you know what, let me inspire you. Let me push you. And let yeah. me also give you some words of encouragement. Let me let me feed into you a little more confidence than you may be feeling today to let you know that you can do this. Um, and it, it might not happen today. It might not even happen next week, right. but I know it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, Sherry, you're a great therapist because you instill that with your patients every single day. And I can just tell about talking to you on the, on this podcast that yeah. it's not something that you're just doing as a job. You actually truly believe in the versatility and the strength of us as humans to get better by pushing ourselves to the limit. So yeah. I salute you. Thank you. <laughs> I salute you. I do. I, I do. That. And last question. I just want to know if there any like, um, thoughts you want to share, any advice you have for new clinicians, aspiring OTs during OT month or any advice, you know, as a seasoned clinician as you are, just about, you know, ways that you can continue to, like we just talked about, um, push people to to be their best or anyone who's going through an, yeah. a, a hand issue and they're, maybe they're feeling a little down and, and not, not believing that they can get through this thing. You know, from an OT perspective, what are some thoughts you want to share with anyone in those categories? Um, well, new clinicians and aspiring OTs, you know, keep pushing through. School's rough. Um, we've all been there, um, but don't give up. You know, it's it, it's always going to be it's always going to be a little bit challenging. But it's again, it's believing that you can do it. Um, you know, putting the time in, and you will get to where you want to be. Um, and ask, you know, you, you'll you'll have field works with with um, clinicians. Ask them questions. I love when my students ask me questions. Um, whether it's about certain diagnosis or even just like studying for the exam, even though the exam was many years ago, but <laughs> I still try to give them some tips of what I used. <laughs> um, and, you know, just asking, even in terms of like the different areas of the professions, like you're going to be volunteering different places. You'll be doing your field work different places. Not every area of the profession is going to, is for everybody. Um, the beauty beauty of OT is that there's so many different areas to work in. There's pediatrics, geriatrics, hand therapy, there's hospital settings, there's mental health. There's like really something for everyone. That's one thing that I really love about this profession um, is that you really can, you can work in so many different types of, of um, places where, you know, if um, physical disabilities isn't for you, you can work with peds, you can, you know, you can work in a hospital setting. And like I said, like, it's just, you have just so many different areas to, to look for. Um, and also always listen to your patients. I, I have like run into different um, clinicians where, you know, after you've like been in the profession for so long, you just feel like, no, I know, I know what's going to work and this will work and that's it. But having that rapport with your patient and listening to your patients and hearing where, you know, the different struggles that they're having um, and 
realizing that certain exercises that you know do work for a diagnosis might not work for the patient. You don't wanna just look at the diagnosis, you wanna look at the patient as a whole. Um, so, and for patients, don't give up. Just keep, you know, keep trying, keep going, talk to your therapist and, you know, make sure you're comfortable where you're being treated. Make sure you feel like you're being heard. Um, and you'll, you'll achieve what you need to, you know? Awesome. Sherry, you have made this show one for the books. I appreciate you so much. And uh, again, thank you so much um, for just being on the show and for highlighting another series for I Create Still Therapy Month. Um, you are now adding to the second part of this series for us. We have one more series to go, one more show to go at the end of this month, highlighting one more OT for our OT month. But thank you so much for making this show one for the books. I really, really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for, you know, bringing light to OT. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. And folks, don't forget what she said. She says so many things just about um, resilience, right? And making sure that you believe that you can get through those things, whether you're an OT who's out there treating others, um, pushing them every day to get more and to be more, or if you're on the patient side and you're going through an issue where you feel like your thumb is not going to be able to move as much as you want it to, or your body is not going to be able to do what it knows it can do, maybe not today. But at some point in time, that can get done. And that quote talks about that, right? Man and woman, yep. through the use of his or her hands as they're energized by mind and will can influence the state of his or her own health. You can do it. You can do it, but you've got to believe and you have to be energized in your mind and your will that you can get that done. Folks, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, if you want to know about Jag1, jag1pt.com for all your PT, OT, AT needs, uh, check us out. We are, again, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, we are big and we're doing great things. If you want to continue to follow the Be More Today show, we are everywhere, Facebook and Instagram, Be More Today underscore show at Instagram, Be More Today underscore PT. And of course, me at Dr. Sean Thomas on Instagram. Subscribe to the show, folks. Subscribe on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify. We are out there. Apple Podcasts, we are out there. And if you already know about us, please, be more today.com for all other things. And I always say, have a good day. Have a good night, have a great life, and continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. I'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you.